Well, greetings from corn and pig country. There's actually more pigs than there is people. I guess you got to do that if you're going to feed the nation. So uh, I grew up on a farm and from, um, moved into the main city about 10 years ago to bring Reformation Awakening into the city and into the state. We have a statewide vision. So we work with leaders all across our state. Um, and if you want to know more about us, you can get on the baseiowa.org, or you, we have an app called The Base, and it looks like a mountain. There's a lot of base things, but uh, you can get on there if you want to know anything about us. That's my commercial, so that's done. I want to talk, uh, I want to talk first about what I saw here this morning as I, was, I came here early. I was setting in the worship, and I could really sense the presence of God heavy on the worship team uh, coming in here. And as you people all started coming, I could sense a whole lot of things about this community. I, could, I was just picking up everything. And what was happening was, as you were coming in here, the pleasure of God was coming in here. Amen. You're carrying the pleasure of God upon your lives. And I could feel it growing the more people kept coming into the room where it was like I was sensing family. I was sensing deep love. I was sensing community. I was sensing honor. I was sensing all of these different things as you came. Then as we came into worship, I'm, I'm kind of a seer apostle, so I saw like a giant heart come into this room and just hold over the top of us. And I saw as it was coming, the Lord started speaking, and he said, my pleasure's resting upon this people in a, in a unique way. And I saw that as we went into worship, not only were we stewarding the presence of God, we were stewarding the pleasure of God. And it's a very unique thing to say that God pleasures you. I think we, we hope that God pleasures us, but I'm going to tell you, God really pleasures you this morning. Then I saw, and a lot of times when we come into, you know, really good worship, because that's what you have, really great worship that's heartfelt, heart-driven, I start to see angels in rooms, and today I saw trumpeting angels lining the walls. But the trumpeting angels did not bring their trumpets up. They were, their trumpets were down, kind of like this, and they were holding them because they were mesmerized by the pleasure of God upon you as a people. Then I saw a few of those trumpeting angels turn and face outward, and what you've began to see is that you've began to see the calling of God to come experience the pleasure of God. That's why you're all coming here, the presence of God, the pleasure of God, the sense of community, family, all of those things. And then the Lord said, tell them that in the next season that's coming this next year, that all the angels will face outward and begin to sound the trumpet call to the pleasure of God to come and taste and see that he is good. And then I saw those angels turn outward and begin to sound, and I saw like a call that was beginning to draw people to this place. And they weren't coming just because of a message or because of the worship team. They were coming because the pleasure of God was here, resting upon you, the people. You see, you have a place to play that's greater than just the, the leadership or the, or the team up here or me as a speaker this morning. You're the ones that sustain the presence of God, and you're the ones that sustain the pleasure of God. So it's a thing of, it's a high honor to say that God pleasures you today. 
And, you know, I travel and go to different places. And what I sense in my spirit today is very unique for this house. There's a unique thing that's resting upon you that's brought you to this place. So where we're at is the church in America a little bit. And then I'm going to talk about something else to try to get you to understand how valuable you really are. Uh, we are at a threshold moment as a nation. We all, I think, can realize that. And we've all are at threshold moments in our own lives. There's a place that God's wanting us to cross over into a new thing. And it's beckoning us. It's like John in Revelation 4. There was an open door set before him and there was an invitation to come and see. And what John did is he had to go in. And right now God is beckoning us to come in. We've looked in and we've peered in. But he's asking us to cross a threshold and go in. And as we go in, he wants us to now speak back to the earth and begin to steward from a heavenly perspective, not just a little bit of knowledge because I saw something. So there's a different level that God's trying to bring the church into in this hour. And I liken it to the, the verses in Ezekiel 9, the guy with the, the uh, ink horn. And this last year, you've been marked with the marking of truth. Truth's been marked upon your lives that you're carriers of truth. That's why the pleasure of God is resting on you. Then in Ezekiel 10, he said, come cross the threshold again and take the fire and scatter it to the city. That's what we're about to come into. We're about to come into a scattering of the fire of God. But we have to, we got to be able to cross over these thresholds of God, these limitations that we have in our faith, these ceilings that we seem to keep hitting. And all it is is simply a decision to go. And just to say there's, there's more of God than what I've ever experienced. Now, I've been in ministry almost 40 years, seen every miracle, experienced about everything, and yet there's a holy dissatisfaction inside of me that there is more in God, that, that it's like I am not satisfied. And, I, and it's like, God, I'm sorry that I'm not satisfied, but I'm not sorry I'm not satisfied. And I have that kind of wrestle dilemma, you know, that I do appreciate everything, but I know that there's more we can have. So I'm on a journey for authentic Christianity, and I'm on a journey uh, probably since I was here in September with the conference with Bo. I'm on a journey to enter into realms of heaven in a different way, begin to experience heavenly encounters, begin to see things from a heavenly perspective down into the earth. And Paul said in Ephesians, Ephesians 3, the third chapter, he basically said his role as an apostle and I'm an apostolic seer, apostle, and I've always had revelation, always have seen things, and uh, try to bring it out of the Word so we can connect the spiritual to something doctrinal or theological, so that we're not just getting out in la-la land with our spiritual experiences. But um, Paul said that his role was, as an apostle, that all men might know or fellowship with the mysteries that he had fellowshiped with. And that's very challenging as an apostle to say, part of my role today is to bring you into things that I've been fellowshipping with. And there, if you look at it, and I'm not going to get into this today, but there were seven mysteries that Paul fellowshiped with, and those came out in his writings and his teachings. So not only did he say, this is my role, it actually was the lifestyle that he was living. So I say all that to say this to you today, that what I want to present to you today is a lifestyle that I'm beginning to walk into of how I'm trying to live my life and the things that God is beginning to show me. 
And I want you to experience this today in a way that first, that you understand how valuable you are to God. Because when I started unveiling what I'm about to talk about, and what I'm going to talk about is the books that we are writing with our lives in heaven today. We don't realize that our life is so valuable and important to God that sitting in this room today are literally hundreds and hundreds of angels and they're scribing your life and writing it in a book. That is sobering to think about. And yet, as we start looking at this, I, I started looking in and there's, there's multiple books that are being written and there's a fascination that God has about us and you know, it says that even the angels long to look into the things that we experience. And that's because they're sitting here watching our lives in a constant state of scribing our lives down and creating something in heaven. And so the second thing I want you to understand is how connected you are to heaven. You're not just living on the earth and heaven's abstract out there sometime in the future. You're connected right now into a heavenly realm. We have a last Adam. I honestly believe that God is recreating an Eden again upon the earth. We're coming back to a new heavens and a new earth, a restoration of all things. So the last Adam is a spiritual, um, you know, firstborn, and then we're firstborn of the last Adam of Christ. And now the thing that I think we haven't connected with is the realms of heaven are more accessible, just like they first were in the garden at the beginning. And yet, we think that yet I got to wait to access, access some of these things in the future. So I want you to see that your life is attached to heaven and the creativeness of God setting inside of you, that deposit of, of a creation, a creator is setting in you. And through that, then you are creating these books in heaven. So could you imagine today, I mean, it's kind of hard to wrap around, isn't it, that your life is creating something in heaven? Because we think that heaven is finite, that it's settled, that, and it's like God's wanting us to participate with that. And then the third thing I want to try to do is try to get you to understand that there's a heavenly perspective we've got to have that's greater than just, um, I'm going to be on a cloud with a harp and pluck my harp and sing my song, and I'm going to rule and reign over something, but I don't know what it is. And you ever think about that verse? What are you going to rule and reign over? Do you know that this is the proving ground of how you'll rule and reign and what you'll rule and reign and all of that? I honestly believe, I mean, I'm crazy. I believe God can create people, groups, and planets and all kinds of stuff for us to rule and reign over. We're not limited, but we're limited in our thinking, and God is finite. So better have some verses of Scripture, otherwise I'm a heretic. Second Corinthians 12, 1 through 5, it is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And then Paul starts to talk. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knows. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I can't tell. God knows how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet my, of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. So here's Paul. Paul gets caught up into a heavenly realm, and he says there's things that I'm seeing in this heavenly realm. I'm hearing things in a heavenly realm, 
And there's things that God is wanting you to hear out of a heavenly realm into your own spirit being this morning. So kind of park your, park your mind a little bit. Open your spirit up because God wants to speak to your spirit. And it, we are spiritual beings and he speaks spirit to spirit. Your spirit knows more than your head will ever figure out. You just have to yield to your spirit. Your spirit is, is alive unto God. Your spirit's never resting. So I'm going to start to talk about these books. Many of us have had all kinds of tears in our life, haven't we? Tears of sorrow, tears of pain, tears of suffering, tears of frustration, tears of joy, tears of encounter with God, all kinds of tears. Tears of maybe carrying a burden for somebody or anguish. In Psalms 56, 8, it says, Thou tellest my wanderings, put my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? There is actually a book of tears. Who's collecting the tears that you have shed? Angels are collecting your tears. They're putting them in a bottle, bringing the bottle into heavenly realm, and somehow, I can't explain all of this, pouring that bottle out, and it's creating a book. And it's literally called, it was known as the book of tears. And the book of tears is basically said he's putting it in a bottle. It was a, it was a, when you start to look at this, it was like a new wineskin. We talk a lot about a new wineskin. It's like there was a wine, there's a wineskin of your tears that you have shed in life. And those tears are forming the wine that's in that new wineskin. And, and that, that book is setting there. And now, remember the verse that says, those that sow in tears will reap in joy. There's an outcome of that book being written and placed in heaven. It's like it's going to be brought back off the shelf and read and go through a transition where it's no longer a book of sorrows, but it's a book of joy. It's a book of God's pleasure setting upon your life. And so when you start looking, it says those those that sow in tears will reap in joy. And another place in Isaiah 38, 5, it says, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayers, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days 15 years. So the tears in that verse directly correlate to the addition of life where he was crying out to God over something. And God said, I see the tears, and I'm going to create something out of those tears. I'm going to add to your life so you can fulfill destiny upon the earth. So many times the things that we go through emotionally in our lives, we don't see a correlation of how the effect is upon heaven and how heaven is captured by what we're doing. There's a book of the living, Psalms 69, 28. David's praying and he says, let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. Now the word living means to remain alive. So David saw this book, that there is a book with your name that you were born upon the earth, that you're living, you're alive right now. And David was talking about his enemy and he was basically saying, could you remove them out of the book? And he says that they would be uh, blotted out of that book. He didn't say just erase their name as if they didn't exist. It was like, let me cross out my enemy. Would you please cross out my enemy as if they existed, but their life did not carry value. 
And when you look at David, David did a lot of imprecatory praying, prayer of imprecation against his enemy, where he said to God, your enemy is my enemy and my enemy is your enemy. And so I'm asking you to step in because I don't know what else to do in this situation. Would you come in and make a righteous judgment concerning my enemy? And in that prayer of imprecation, he saw shifts and patterns that started to occur. And these are some of the things that God's going to begin to lead the church into. We talk about justice. We talk about that we, there's things that are opposing us that aren't moving. We, there's ways that we can move those things. And it comes by getting God involved, that God is the one that's going to, to step in on our behalf because he actually loves us. He's concerned about us. He's concerned about the things we're concerned about. And he wants to help us defeat the enemies, the enemies of the church, the enemies of the body of Christ, the enemies of your life. So David writes this in the midst of this prayer of imprecation and basically is like saying, I know that there's a book with the name of every person sitting in it. You see, there's a book of tears. There's a book of, a book of life. There's a book of remembrance. In Malachi 3.16, it says, Then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. He qualifies who's being written in this book. Those that fear his name, those that are thinking on the things of God, that are thinking on God. He says there's this book that's being written. So here's what's happening right now today. As you think on, as you think on God today, an angel is scribing those words and writing that in a book. And he's writing what you did yesterday in a book. And he's writing what you're going to do tomorrow in a book. You see the fascination that God has of our lives. How he's looking upon us, and angels are looking upon us, and angels are longing to. So, I don't know how many people's in the room. Look how many books of remembrance are being added to right now. I wonder how many angels are in the room looking upon your life as you're listening. And as you came in here today. And a book of remembrance is being written. And yet the Holy Spirit brings all things back into remembrance. And the Holy Spirit brings things back because it was written in a book. And so God begins to pull those things of the past. And the Holy Spirit says, oh, by the way, don't you remember when that prophet gave you that word there three years ago? And it starts to come back. Well, that word that was given to you three years ago, it was written in a book and put in heaven. Do You know, you're creating bookshelves in heaven. You've got a book of life. Your name is written in this thing of every person that's ever been born. You have a book of tears. You have a book of remembrance. And all the things that we're doing in our life, God is writing them things down and he's putting them in a book. And when you look at the word book, it actually means a legal document. That it isn't just like some scribing in a journal. That it literally is a legal document. It comes from a root word, which means something has been penned and written as an order or a commission. So it's not just... Well, yeah, they did that, and I'm just going to write a little footnote. No, he's writing it as if this is a legal document of your life. Your life's creating a legal document. Is this all right? Are you guys bored with this? You know, let me do something else. I can go do something else. You want more? He's wanting more. I'm going to go with you then, buddy. It's a legal document. A legal document carries a lot of weight. 
So think about a legal contract, a legal document carrying weight, but where did that weight get established? Because of your life. So your life is creating a document that carries weight in the courts of heaven. You see where this is going a little bit. And as it's creating that weight, I wonder how much weight does your life create in God's eyes that created that document. I know a judge in Kentucky, and he is not a normal judge because he actually writes the law books that the judges use. Because somebody has to write all that law out and put that case, that case, those cases into file and all of that <laughs> that they draw off of. I thought, man, that, that guy's like some smart cookie, you know what I'm saying, to be able to do that. But here he is. Look, think of the weight that he's under of what he's writing and how he's presenting that that's becoming case law that people study. There is a book of days or destiny. In Psalms 139, 16, Thy eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned, when as that it was, was none of them. He says, all of my substance, the word substance is the word embroy, which, where it's like the beginning, the birthing, the origin of God. So there is a book of days that, remember it says that God has numbered our days? There's a book of days that every day of your life is being written down that this was a day that I gave you to fulfill your destiny. A book of days, it's like God says, I know the hairs of your head. I know everything about you. I intimately have knowledge of you in ways that you can't even fathom. That's all being written in the book of days. Your emotions, your thoughts, the intention of your heart, your passions, how, you, how you're pursuing, all being written. And these books are being written simultaneously. So it's like we sat here today. Here's a book of days. On this particular day, you went to this particular place. You came to Freedom Church. You came here to Freedom Fellowship. And on this day, this happened to you. And on this day, da-da-da-da-da. And then over here, there's a book of remembrance being written about this day. And if you came in here today and you shed some tears, an angel put them in a bottle and created a book out of your tears and you added to that book today, you see what's starting to happen. Now remember what it says at the end of the Gospels, that if, Jesus, if, if everything that Jesus said and done was written in a book, the earth could not contain everything that he did. And it's talking about that he, his life was written down in all of these books, and there was a vastness of it. Isn't it amazing, like, how many people like to journal? You're journaling, you're taking notes. How many people writing books, dream of writing books? A couple, oh, now don't be shy. Either you want to write a book or you don't. Okay. So, you see, it's like, how many like reading books? Well, there's, a, there's all the hands now. Isn't it interesting how writing and scribing is completely through our entire culture and always has been and always will be? From the very beginning, what did God do? Write down Ten Commandments on a tablet. Here's the law. We write down and we sit here and we read the Bible. 
And, we, and we're reading books that people have written about truths of the Bible and things and, and all of this. And, we, and how many like to study history? How many like to study genealogy? The genealogy of your families and you figure out where you came from and you figure out what you believed and, you know, Uncle Jake was a bank robber and all that kind of stuff. You know? We go exploring into the, the books that have been written about us in the natural. But we don't really go in exploring about the books that we're writing in heaven. And yet you see that same creation of God setting in you today is literally coming out of you through your life as you live your life upon the earth. And I'll tell you, when I got done, I, I talked this to my people about two weeks ago. And when they got done listening to what I was saying, they are completely shifting where they put their attentions and affections every day, knowing that it's being written down. Not haphazardly just doing life. I'll make it to heaven one day. My life may count. It may not count. It's not that important. You see, we've devalued who we really are to God. God is absolutely fascinated by us. Just like we're fascinated by God, he is fascinated with you today. And he is, he is like so concerned about every concern that you have that he's writing it down. Now, if God goes to all this effort about our lives, why would he withhold anything from us? Why would he not answer your prayer? Why would he not activate you and come when your faith is activated to believe for healing or a miracle or a sign or a wonder? Why would he not provide for you? You see, it's like we, I think we've kind of devalued ourselves in a lot of ways. And we think that we're less than instead of more than. We think that we're the tail instead of the head. We think that God's not concerned about this when he's very concerned about it. So in this book, this book of days or destiny is about a continuous process that you are in. And you were placed upon the earth not just to live out some days. You were placed upon the earth to accomplish a destiny. And a destiny is what you become. It's not what you do so much. It's what you become. Remember, Abraham was destined to be the father of many nations. He was destined to become something. And so God gives us, he says, I'm, I'm going to give you 70 years to get destiny. I'm going to guarantee you some life to find your destiny. And I'm going to write down everything about what's going on, heading you towards that destiny. And I believe we're going to go into libraries in heaven and pull books off shelves and read about each other's lives. I know a woman who went into a and this is what got me started in this. She, she was caught away into a heavenly realm. And she saw these libraries of books. And when a person's life was finished, the angel put a book, uh, a book stop at the end of it. And there was great rejoicing because that life was completed. And in this vision that she had, she was going in and pulling books off the shelf like, Here's Smith Wigglesworth's book concerning this area of his life, and she was reading it. And she said there was libraries upon libraries upon libraries upon libraries of books being written. If you think about everything that goes on in your life today, if we could, like, record it and write it all down, do you realize how long that would take to write your whole day out? 
to write everything that happened out. We write highlights. God's writing every detail. He's a detail-oriented God. So the smallest thing absolutely concerns him. The smallest things in your life concern him. The smallest things that you think are, that really didn't mean anything. He's very much got his eye on all of it. And it's like, I got these angels. They need something to do. Go write some books about my people. I want to create a living history for all of eternity through the lives of who's upon the earth. So you see, your life is a lot more than just occupying a little space here. Hoping you get there, that every day is a day of destiny. You see, you're destined for things in the earth that only God, God has placed upon the path. And he's like, this I put in front of you today to do. You know, how many times do you think like we saw something, but then we didn't do it, or we got sidetracked in what we thought we would do, and we kind of got over here someplace. And, you know, I had... I tell people this all the time. It's like people say, how did you get where you're at? I just did what was at hand in front of me. I did what nobody else wanted to do. I, did, I, just, I just did that which was there. And if they didn't want to do that, then I'll go do that. And because I was willing to do it, God saw it. And he said, here's another thing for you to do and another thing for you to do. And next thing you know, you're never, you're never uh, finding the end of where, what you can do in God. I mean... So, you know, I never, I never set out. I was telling somebody for a service. I didn't set out to get up here and speak. I failed speech class. I was a mess. But that wasn't God's plan. God had a plan. He had destined something in my life. And I had to keep going down the path till I found it. And he wrote down in a book when I failed speech class. And he wrote down when I had my index cards and I couldn't even follow the blasted index cards. You know what I'm saying? And I couldn't look. He wrote down that I couldn't look people in the eye. You know why he wrote it down? So the day came when I'm standing here today and looking you in the eye and don't have no index cards. He can go back and say, oh, let's pull up the book of remembrance. Look what kind of a mess you were. But look what I did in your life and where I took you. Look what I had planned for you for your destiny here today. But look how you saw it way back there. Look how I transformed you. Look how I changed you. You know, I think that we're going to have like some real um, glory fits in heaven when we start reading about our own lives of how we saw us, ourselves as failures and God saw ourselves as potential and what he had dreamed about us and thought about us. And then when these, these angels are sitting around scribing and they're like, I wish I could participate too. You know what I'm saying? Which means you are privileged. Highly privileged. <laughs> Probably did. God's got a real sense of humor, doesn't he? There is a book of the house of Israel. And it's in Ezekiel 39. And my hand shall be upon the prophets that see vanity and divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of the people, neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel. So there's a book about the house of Israel. The house of Israel is citizenship. He said that we are citizens in the kingdom. 
In the Old Testament, it was about Israel as we know Israel. In the New Testament, you are Israel. Galatians 2 says it. You are Israel today. You are spiritual Israel. So there's a book written that started out about the writing of who? God's citizenship people. That is you now today. And he, and he said, this, there's a book that I'm going to write about who is in and who is not. I'm going to write about that. Remember Philippians 3, uh, 3.20 says, our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior. Our conversation is in heaven. In Ephesians 2.19, it says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. And so he has a book of citizenship. What do citizens get? In the United States, we're kind of fighting for our citizenship right now, aren't we? We get privileges. We get the constitutional right as a U.S. citizen to certain privileges and rights. It's the same thing with God. As a citizen of heaven, with our name written, it's like he's given us a national, uh, national identification card. And that lets us into the privileges of our nation. And it lets us into the privileges of the nation of heaven, of how God sees things. And so, you know, he said that we're seated with him in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus, it says we're seated in him in heavenly places. And the word in means a fixed position of time or a state of being. So you're fixed in Christ today. And I think we don't have much problem with that part of the, part of the scripture. I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. In me is the hope of glory. Greater is he that's in me than he is in the world. Same spirit raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling in me. We can quote all kinds of scriptures about Christ in us. But then when we come to the next one and it says, and I'm seated in heavenly places, we kind of go, yeah, that'll happen when I die. And we kind of drift out like, no, that's not a present tense reality. That's a future tense thing that'll happen. But he says, no, you're, you're in him, you're fixed in him, and you're seated in him. And he even says that we are in the throne of grace. We are in the fixed place and position. What are you fixed in? Are you on the, it didn't say you're sitting on the throne. He says you're in it. You're in grace. You're fixed in grace. You're fixed in the, the favor of God. And as you're fixed in that favor, you have access to all kinds of things in that heavenly dimension. And so today it's like, no, you're not just seated in Christ. You're seated in heavenly places. You've got to cross a threshold. Quit, quit ticking your toe in there and just kind of saying, I got it. Or putting your hand in there and pulling a little something back and saying, I got a piece of heaven. I'm okay. Or poke your head in there and look around. God wants you to like step over the invisible barrier. Come on in. The water's fine. Come on in. I've prepared a place for you. Come on in and see what I got for you. Start coming. You know, I'm trying to challenge you to start to live your life in a different way. Come into a greater understanding of what he has for you. I'm going to tell you something. If our Christianity is based on how we're living here upon the earth, we are in a sad state of affairs. There's a life in Christ. Do you not dream about a life in Christ? I dream about a life in Christ of like ongoing miracles and signs and wonders. I dream about his presence so heavy upon people that when they walk into a room, he's walked in and people are just completely confronted to the core. 
And you don't have to preach anymore. You don't have to do anything anymore. People are healed. People are set free. People cry out for God's mercy. Healing of Peter's shadow. You know how these guys were doing that? They knew they were in Christ. They were not living in this earth. They already had went to that place and living from that place, from that perspective, from that understanding. And they realized we're writing the books of heaven in this moment. We're writing history, spiritual history. There's a spiritual history being written about this fellowship today. There's a spiritual history being written in the day of remembrance, in the day of destiny. You've been destined for something more than than what you see, as good as it is, as grand as it is, as much as you're happy about it. I'm going to tell you, it's just the beginning. You've only only put your toe through the threshold of God into a heavenly realm. There's a whole lot more for you. A whole lot more. You're citizens of a king. You get privilege of that kingdom. He said that kingdom's coming to the earth. He said the kingdom of God is within you. It's living inside of you. There's, There's principles of kingdom in you. And he keeps writing and writing and writing these books. There is a book for the courts of judgment. Do you know what? That's probably the only book we really realize. We're thinking we're going to get the hammer slammed. Daniel 7.10, a fiery stream issued out, came forth from before him. Thousands, uh, thousands, thousands ministering to him. As my Indonesian students say, thousand, thousand. And 10,000 times 10,000. Stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were open. There are books of judgment. There are, there's books that, I mean, man, is this, you know? And, and it's like, and I know you're all in the Amish community, and I'm going to tell you something. The book of judgment was slammed over your head. It wasn't, that, that is not what God's talking about. He's talking about judging evil, not judging you. If you're in Christ, your life is hid in him. He's not talking about judging you. He's talking about judging the evil of the earth and the evil that's in second heaven realm. He's he's talking about judging those things that have been opposing him and bringing a final judgment upon them. Not, Not you. There is a book of general assembly. And the firstborn, Hebrews 12, 23, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. Who is the general assembly? It's the ecclesia. There's a book of the ecclesia that gathers to do governmental work and function and justice and to set the tone and to release the authority of God upon the earth. There's a book being written down about everything that we do, that we exercise the authority as the church as we gather. You see, this this is family, but this is a family that's, coming to be warriors, your family that's gathered with a purpose, not just come here and and hear some things. You're here to do business upon the earth. And as you do your business, I tell my folks, it's like, I don't want no more testimonies. I want mission reports. I want to change the, the, the mindset of what we're doing. I want to report from the mission field. We're gathering as ecclesia on a Saturday night to do business. We gathered last night. My people gathered for a statewide prayer meeting. We do every month to pray over our state. We do business. We went into the Capitol. 
We moved up through the Capitol 10 years ago. We went in the state Capitol. We infiltrated the prayer group in the Capitol. That's apostolic. Apostolic is infiltration. It's not setting and finding and building something new. We infiltrated what was going on. We found certain disciples. And then we changed how they were praying. Then we started doing imprecatory prayer and we prayed our enemies out. We prayed everybody that was stopping everything that we needed to set into law. And we removed our governor and put in a spirit-filled governor. And then we got the legislators praying. And we have 60 to 70 legislators that come in every week into the prayer meeting. And then they decided to have a Bible study. So they do a Bible study two mornings a week. Man, we must have had like 100,000 people doing that to change. We had six. Our strike force was six people to change the mindsets, to change all of that. We were Ecclesian. We knew we were in authority. We were shifting the atmosphere by what we're doing. And you know what how happens? Legislators get a hold of us wanting prayer, prayer for their families. The governor was getting ready to sign a bill, and she said, I'm not going to sign it publicly because the media is going to slay me, but I want my prayer people there. So she invited four people to her office. My wife was one of them. You see, that's ecclesia, and God's writing this stuff down in a book. Well, you guys gathered for intercessory prayer. What happened? I'm writing down the details so others can take hope, so they can see. We're going to talk about it when we get to heaven. And I'm also writing down those that are of the firstborn, which means a new order. New order. I honestly believe you're all of a new order. And I know the word order. I know what that means here too. <laughs> All right? You're of a new order. A heavenly order. An ecclesia order. You're of an order that is so kingdom, so much more spiritual than you can ever imagine today. We're just restrained by these physical bodies. Your spirit is like flying. If you'll let it. There is a book of the life of the Lamb, Revelation 13.8. That is a book about the life of Jesus and how he interacts with your life. The interaction of the Son of God into your life is being written. That's why he said all the books that Jesus did, we can't contain them because it's still going on right now. Think about how many people's got a book written. It's like, this is how I was interacting with you today. And this is the vision you saw. And this is what I showed you in the word. And this is what I'm doing in your heart. And this is what, how I answered your prayer. And it's all being written down of how Christ is interacting. It's like, think of the privilege of this book. We're writing a book with him together. We're like, I think we're like maybe the ghostwriter. I don't know. But we're writing the book with him. So now it's not just a book about me, it's about a book about him and me together. That's an amazing book when you think about it. There is a book of life, Philippians 4.3, Revelation 17.8. It's a book of those that have labored in the gospel. It's the book of the elect. It's a book of those that have given their life for the sake of the kingdom. It is a book of life of those who labored, laid their self down, put their self on the line, 
You know, Pastor Yuri, Apostle Yuri, he posted that video about my friend from India a while back when I was here in September, and I gave that testimony, and he put it out on his page. I think of my friend, uh, 5,000 churches, 5,000 beatings. Every church was a beating to birth the church. And I think about what was written in his book as he was going through that, writing that down, the beating, the day of remembrance book, the day of destiny, as he was coming into destiny. The, 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 all, these, all these books we're talking about, multiple books written in one day, every day he birthed the church. Every day he was doing something for God. And then you think God's not concerned about the smallest thing in your life. You think he's not concerned about what you're, what you're going through or what you're fighting out or what your, your concerns are. He's got, he's got answers for you, all kinds of answers. I'm going to tell you, here's the last one, and this is the one that will probably warp you. I don't know if you've been warped yet or not, but... Are you seeing a different perspective? Are you seeing yourself a little different of what, how available you are to God and what God wants to do with your life? I mean, it's amazing. There's a reference in Revelation 5.1, and he says, And I saw on the right hand him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside. In Revelation 10.2, he says, And he had in his hand a little book opened upon the sea. In Revelation 10.9 on down, he says, Give me the little book. And he said, Take it and eat it. And it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. Can you imagine what this little book is? It's your Bible. It's the little book. God told me that. I said, how can that be the little book, God? I'm thinking that's a big book. This is like the powerhouse book. And this is what he said to me. He said, no. That's the paraphrased version because I wrote a book about every verse. I wrote a book about every person. He said, you find a verse and you open up a verse and you see something and the next time you see something different, the next time you see something different and you know what you're doing? You're beginning to read my book in heaven that I wrote about that book, that verse. So what I did is I just gave you the paraphrased version. That's why it's the little book. And he says, take the little book and eat it. It's the only book he tells us to eat. The rest of the books he says, don't eat. So here's the Bible, and I'm like, I don't know if I can call it the little book. I just can't go there. You know what I'm saying? Because the second you think you got God figured out, he opens another door, and you walk through the door, and you see 250 more doors, and you pick one, and you walk through that, and there's 500 doors, and then you go through one of those, and there's 150 doors again, and you're like, I'm getting a little lost where I came from. <laughs> well, that's because it's like, we're like just like those doorways into God's heart, there's these things about the, this book that we're reading called the Bible that has so much depth behind it. So think about these men that we read about. Moses, there was a book of remembrance about Moses. There was a book of destiny and days about Moses. There was a book of life about Moses. There was a book of the life of Christ with Paul. And Paul said... I want to show you these mysteries that I've been fellowshipping with. Well, that's what I'm trying to do today. I'm trying to show you some mysteries that I've been fellowshipping with that like so changed my perspective of how I do life. My seriousness of purpose has changed. 
the understanding of how I'm supposed to live my life, the importance of who I am, how God wants to answer my prayers. And God's really been dealing with me about, you got to lay that down and step into this, and you got to lay that down and step into that. I got things for you, son. I got places for you to go in the spiritual realms to see things for the church in this hour. So I see myself as that kind of a seer apostle, kind of like John the Revelator was, to try to bring things to you to see things from a different perspective. Because you see, it'd be one thing for me to get up here today and tell you this woman had a vision. She went up and was pulling these books out of heaven and reading them. But see, the theologian in me says, I need to prove that doctrinally. Because if I can prove it doctrinally in some fashion, then I can get the people of God to begin to embrace that kind of reality of being a spiritual being. So I went in and I started digging doctrinally about books. And I found these books that are setting in heaven and, and said, there's a place we got to go that we have not went. And there's things of value that we need to see ourselves that we don't understand. So you think about this, this morning, if we could see into the spiritual realm, there would be thousands and thousands of angels in here writing multiple, multiple books about you right now. And the creative force of God in you is creating bookshelves in heaven. So God is partnering with us to create something in a heavenly realm. How much more wouldn't he partner with us to create something in an earthly realm? You see? So all of these angels are sitting here today longing to look into what you have privilege of. I hope this kind of ruins your messes with you really big. You know? That you can't live life the way you've been living it knowing you're being written about, you see? I mean, if you, if you, you know, I think about when I first got saved, I was like, I'm, in the, I'm in, the, in the book of life and there's gonna be a book of judgment and I'm gonna get slammed for everything I did wrong. And I had that mindset for years. And when I started digging through this, I'm realizing, no, that's wrong. God is fascinated with me. I don't understand why. But he is. And he's concerned about what I'm doing every single day of my life. And he has assigned angels, not to just look after me or look after them. He's got angels following me around, scribing my life. And when you leave here and you get in your car, your angel's going with you. And everything you say in your car, oh, this would be good, <laughs> is going to get put in a book of remembrance. Every fight you have with your wife, and we were, <laughs> we were doing a conference, and I was talking about this just a little bit, about the Book of Remembrance. That was the only thing I was talking about. And some people decided to go take a nap. And at the end of, the, end of that session, people were saying, man, people missed it. They weren't here. And I said, I know. It was just written in the Book of Remembrance. <laughs> Does this change how you might see yourself? Does this change how you might... Conduct your life, your manner of life. Did this challenge you a little bit? May challenge you theologically a little bit. But look what we're reading right by in God's word. We need to slow down for just a moment and see 
and ask God, Holy Spirit, show me what I normally don't know. Show me what I, I find missing. Show me what, what I, I need to embrace today. Show me, God, the foolishness of my heart and what I need to lay aside today. I want to write a really good book. I want to write really good books in heaven. Well, let's pray something. Father, I thank you today for your goodness and your mercy that in spite of all the things that we don't understand and all our failures even at times, it seems, you are just totally so fascinated with us that you would point angels to write about us. Write these things down that we're doing in life. Write these things down to be read at a future day. Partnering with us as your creation creating bookshelves in heaven. And Father, I pray today that we would live our lives in a different fashion, that we begin to realize that we are creating spiritual history. Father, I pray that we begin to see things in a different light of the value of who we are. And God, for these people here today that your pleasure is so resting upon, and I still sense it so heavy in this room, That, Father, you begin to bring them across threshold after threshold after threshold into heavenly realms. And they begin to fellowship with mysteries that are reserved for this moment of time. Father, may this be a place where revelation flows like a mighty river and stream into dry and thirsty lands. Father, I see those trumpeting angels still posed in fascination. And I see more turning to sound trumpets now. Not all have turned, but a few more have turned even today. So God, let a trumpet sound into this land. Let a blast come from this people. And God, let them nurture what you have created here in this atmosphere and in this place and in their hearts. And God, cause them to push each other forward, have the best for each other, knit their hearts, God, in just a great way. And God, I know that you're writing books as this group of people gather here. You're writing books about this ministry and the things that it does, not just individuals, but this ministry as well because of people being in it. So God, I thank you that we're going to have some reading assignments when we get to heaven. And that you're going to just do a work in our hearts, God, of the seriousness of the moment and the ability to step into things that we've never stepped into before. So, God, I just pray that you would take away anything that's opposing people in their mind that they can't go there or can't do these things and begin to shift, Father, the value of who we really are to you. And I just thank you for that. I bless this people today, God. In Jesus' name, amen.